much easier to march and make a sign than it is to govern. Okay. Once you become, in my case, the alderman, you do need to listen to all sides. It's easier to be an alderman and, and sit there and make decisions, and it's harder to actually knock on doors and get to know the people who live on your in your ward. Why are you still supporting it? Why are you still voting in favor of it? And I'm not saying that's what she did. I'm just saying like there are issues like that. So let's you know let's drill down. Let's look at the actual record. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Two weeks ago, progressives were celebrating good news in St. Louis. In the city's first ever election featuring approval voting, the favored candidate of the establishment lost in the first round. That's Board of Aldermanic President Lewis Reed. Now duking it out in the April 6th general election are two women who, in different ways, have challenged the city's status quo. But it's not just Kara Spencer versus Tashara Jones on the ballot next month. Half of the seats on the city's Board of Aldermen are also up for a vote, and progressives hope to take enough seats from incumbents to seize control of that body. The campaign is being called Flip the Board, and joining us today to talk about it is St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Littman. Rachel, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. It's always fun to be on. And we're also joined today by two challengers who are taking on incumbents on the board. Ann Schweitzer is challenging 13th Ward Alderwoman Beth Murphy. Ann, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us, Sarah. And Shedrick Kelly is running in the 7th Ward. He's running against Alderman Jack Coder. Shedrick, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello. So, Shedrick, let's start with you. There's been a lot of attention paid to the mayor's race. Why should people who are progressive-minded or care about those issues also care about the Board of Aldermen? Because we work hand-in-hand with the mayor. I mean, it's been the issue, and that's part of the reason why we did the whole flip the board, is to stop the the deadlock of decisions being made in the city. So long there have been decisions that have been held up or gone a certain direction, not to the will of the people because of the the disagreements. And so the whole flip the board is to try to change that. We want to bring light to the situation and we want to also start to move the needle in the right direction, in the more progressive direction for the people and the citizens of St. Louis. So, Anne, progressives are targeting four races. There's the two of you, there's Bill Stevens running in the 12th, and then there's Tina Pill running for the open seat in the 17th. Were these wards chosen for a reason? You'd have to ask Megan Green. She's the one who sort of put it together. We all knew each other beforehand, uh, anecdotally, more than more than in person and, and closely. And I've gotten to know all the candidates really well. And to go to what Shedrick says, it's all about to about building coalitions. People are doing that, and and we're trying to do that at the board too. So, Rachel, there have been some very close votes on the Board of Aldermen, and there have also been some really contentious issues there. I'm thinking about the vote to approve the quote-unquote spy plane. President Reid himself had to cast the tiebreaker on that one. Could flipping even just a few of these wards be a game-changer for people like Megan Green, who've been frustrated by the direction of the board? It could be. And I want to make it clear that, yes, Reed did end up being the tie-breaking vote, but he isn't like the vice president where they only vote in uh, 
uh, case of a tie. He votes on any issue, no matter what. And the answer to that question is potentially, you know, the, the way that that vote set up on the spy plane is, you know, you flip one of those seats and you probably are able to defeat it on first round approval. And that was because uh, Jack Coder and, and Beth Murphy actually both voted uh, no on perfection. Uh, uh, perfection. Uh, but, you know, you flip, um, for example, some other seats and, you know, you, you have that ability on there. Vicki Grass, for example, who's being targeted in the, the 12th ward. If you flip her seat, then then maybe you flip on that issue. But what I think is key to remember is is that these these boundaries are very kind of fluid. There, there is a, a caucus and a core group of, of progressive aldermen on the board, aldermen and alder women, but they don't always go in the same way. You know, those that Fourth, 15, those 14 votes could look very different on another issue. So on this issue, yes, flipping the board, you know, could make a difference. But there are others where, you know, the, the boundaries break down a little bit, even some of more of who's considered, you know, core progressive supporters. So, you know, it's just a matter of finding where stability is in that case. Hmm. Shedrick, I'm curious in your case, what is the number one issue that you're eager to take on if elected to the Board of Aldermen? The number one issue in the seventh ward has been to deal with the the crime. Of course, public safety is always going to be at the top of the bill. And when you have downtown coupled with some of the unhoused situation, they kind of get mixed in together, even though they're not always the same. Um, so definitely would like to increase visibility in that area, especially dealing with the fact of social services and where we lack severely in the city of St. Louis. So when we look at public safety, we also want to we want to look at the crime, but we also want to look at the unhoused situation. And so, like I said, they're not the same, but they do go. They're closely linked. And so if we start to address that, then we can start to see the, move the needle in the right direction. So, Shedrick, I have a feeling if Alderman Coder was here with me right now, that he would he would give the same answer, um, that he would talk about public safety as being the most urgent issue. How would your approach differ than his? Well, first of all, I think that we need a public safety committee within the seventh ward. I think we need a direct liaison that work with the St. Louis Police Department that can hear the, you know, directly what's coming from the people in the different areas. There's so many neighborhoods and so many beautiful neighborhoods and so many active residents, but we're not all talking together. I think we need a, at least at minimum, a quarterly town hall where we get on the call and we can have these conversations out in the open because I've joined all these different neighborhood association meetings and in just the past three months, I've been on over 12 of them. Mm. And so the thing is, we're saying a lot of the same things in all of these meetings, but they're not saying it together. And so if we can kind of synergize and bring those discussion points together, then we can all take one voice you know, to the to the appropriate parties and try to get some things accomplished. And what do you see as the biggest issue that you'd take on if elected to the Board of Aldermen? Yeah, I agree, I agree with Shedrick. Public safety is definitely the most important thing. That's a citywide issue as well as a ward specific. To add another issue, I would say constituent services need to be addressed in the city of St. Louis. They need to be equitable. Every neighborhood needs to be receiving the same level of service. And that's something that I really want to look at in the 13th Ward. We have a lot of really diverse neighborhoods. Each neighborhood deserves the same level of attention and quality services. Hmm. Rachel, do you think there's a fundamental difference between the way progressives on the board and the quote unquote old guard look at the issue of public safety? I think to some extent there is. Um, I think 
There's also a, a breakdown, not only necessarily in, in the caucus, but also in just the, you know, the wards where these people are living and lived experiences. You know, there, there is occasionally on some of these issues where, you know, there is a sense of, I don't understand how you can support ABC um, on issues of, you know, the surveillance plane or curfew or other things where the lived experience of these individuals is incredibly different. Um, I think there is a a focus perhaps more in the progressive wing of the, the, the party or the city on emphasizing uh, the root causes of crime rather than emphasizing more of a traditional public safety side. But I don't think that the, you know, the, the more establishment side totally discounts all the time that, you know, yes, you need more recreation opportunities. You do hear them talk about those things. The emphasis is just different in, you know, we need more public safety, traditional public safety versus, you know, root cause focus. So the focus is different. I think the understanding of the problem and that root causes are important is is the same. It's just where they focus on it. And as an actual progressive running and, and sitting here at the table listening to Rachel's analysis, does that seem about right to you, that, that this is more about where the focus, as you look at public safety falls. Yeah, I was nodding along the entire time Rachel was talking. That's exactly right. When I've talked with people on the doors, people do want to talk about public safety all the time. And we acknowledge the role of the traditional methods of public safety while also acknowledging that nothing is going to change if all we focus on is policing and other ways to watch people and track people down as opposed to tracking people down at the very beginning, paying attention to kids and schools and funding for our schools and opportunities for youth. And I know Shedrick can talk a lot about that. And Bill Stevens on the board works for the library, and that's his focus. And that's something I'd love to see on the board. And Tina Peel is someone who cares deeply about affordable housing and has done a lot of work around that. And these are the sort of issues that I think we as progressives want to spend all of our time thinking about um, as opposed to spy planes, which we want to spend absolutely no more time uh, thinking about or voting on. And I think you will not see that come up at the board if we are able to flip because people will know there's no chance of it passing. And so that's the sort of change we're looking for. Shedrick, Ann referenced you there. Um, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too. Sure. And and just like Ann said, I mean, First and foremost, there needs to be more equality between the neighborhoods. I mean, I, I get that so much when going on these doors and I'm knocking on the doors and I'm talking to the, to the residents and they're saying, hey, well, we, we feel a little slighted. We feel like certain areas get more attention than others. And and I can see why they say that. And I think I want to first and foremost say that I'm I'm here to represent all of the Seventh Ward. And when, it talks, when we talk about public safety, in general, it just needs to be reimagined. We need to stop thinking about the arrest and incarcerate model that has been plaguing us for the longest. We we cannot arrest our way out of, uh, you know, out of the issues. We really have to sit down together and end to end look at this process from start to finish and start to figure out okay what's broken here. Like you said, the issue is the same for both sides of it, but we need to look at the actual like the focus is different. And I think that when we start to look at, <clears throat> excuse me where where it starts like ann said we start with the children let's start with looking at the you know the community itself at large and then we can start to focus on the actual like okay this is car break-ins and things like that we have to start like bill is doing great with talking about the education system and i noticed that tina was talking more about the equitable you know development these are areas that all affect the bigger picture and if we start to dig down into those areas then we can we can affect the greater whole 
Now, I want to um, get another voice here into this conversation, and that is Alderwoman Beth Murphy. Um, this is who Ann Schweitzer is running against in the 13th Ward. Um, and we asked her to, to speak to us in advance of this segment just to get the perspective of somebody who's on the other side of this progressive versus establishment. I wish there was a better word for it, but of that divide. And so we um, we asked her about the fact that she's now a target of this flip the board effort, and she told us this. It's a definite surprise to me. No one ever talked to me about any issues about my voting record. I'm still not clear as to what those issues are. I didn't know there was a hit list out on me. Um, I that I was on a hit list. And uh, Alderwoman Beth Murphy said she thinks she may have drawn the ire of progressives like Megan Green, um, who's who's really leading this flip the board effort, by voting against the bill that would create a buffer zone for abortion clinics. Uh, Beth stressed that she's a member of Planned Parenthood. Her husband is an escort there. But she saw this as a First Amendment issue. And I wonder if that is what at all a factor in your deciding to throw your hat into the ring, if, if you felt like Beth's vote on that um, just didn't represent uh, what you would want your representative to do. Yeah, it did not represent what I would want my representative to do. And to speak to what Beth said in in her comments, people absolutely have been reaching out to her to talk about her voting record. People push her on issues all the time. What they saw when I started running a year and a half ago, a year before this flip the board effort even started or was even an idea, was that people wanted something different. Uh, they wanted different responses from their older person when they asked questions. And, you know, I... I can't believe she believes people haven't been reaching out to her about all these issues. Um, that that doesn't seem quite quite right to me, to be to be honest. Um, but yes, part of part of uh, that me running is definitely the vote that she took against the buffer zone. Rachel, when I talked to Alderwoman Murphy, um, she did seem sort of surprised that she would be considered not progressive enough. She stressed that she'd been a union educator. She mentioned that she supported the minimum wage bill. She did say, you know, she voted no on the spy plane. Do you think that uh, some of these members of the board of aldermen are surprised to find that there's not a left flank to some of the things that they traditionally they thought of themselves as, as Democrats. They are Democrats. They are Democrats. And I think it's sort of the same. Well, I mean, no, technically not anymore. You aren't running with partisan labels in the city. <laughs> a anymore, good point. But yes. I think if you ask them, you know, in their sort of general, broader state and national policies, they would say, yes, they're still supporting Democratic candidates. I think that this is, a, you know, a symbol of the debate that has been going on within the Democratic Party writ large at the state and at the national level is what does it mean to be a, a Democrat? And again, the city is not running with partisan labels anymore, but it is still a very, you know, Democratic big D city. And, you know, you can be surprised that you are individually being targeted because you, you know, perceive this. But if you've been paying attention sort of more broadly to fights within the party, I don't think that you can be surprised that this is a debate that is going on in the city. Um, you know, I can't speak to uh, how people view themselves and their own voting records, but I think the uh, the notion that there is sort of an intra-party spat going on should not really be all that surprising because it's a conversation that's been going on at the national level for the last two presidential election cycles. Now, older woman Beth Murphy, um, she also said something that I would love to get um, Anne or, or Shedrick's reaction to here in just a moment. She said this about progressives' goals for the board. 
I've been a, a marcher and a protester for a long time. I said, I'm going to give away my age. But when I was in college and first married, I said, I marched for the ERA. So you know how long it's been, okay? Like I said, I've been a longtime member of Planned Parenthood. I belong to the ACLU. Um, it's much easier. I discovered this. It's much easier to march and make a sign than it is to govern. Okay. Once you become, in my case, the alderman, you do need to listen to all sides and you do have to compromise on issues. You have to look at where the funding is going to come from, what it's going to, what this funding is going to be taken away from. You know, you don't want to be in a uh, Rob Peter to pay Paul situation. That is Alderwoman Beth Murphy. Um, Shedrick, I'd, I'd love your response on that. Well, you know, and I, I'm glad that she was able to speak to her past. But as, as many people know, that it's kind of like, let's look at your record. If we really drill down, we look at more than just the surface. Let's, I mean, let's really pull out the scorecard. And if, it's, if it lines up with, you know, the, like I said, the will of the people, what have the people been asking or been pointing out over the years? And if you've had opportunities to represent the people and it just does not align with your actions, then that's when we have to call it out. Like, like for instance, airport privatization. Like, if, if the people said no, then why are you still supporting it? Why are you still voting in favor of it? And I'm not saying that's what she did. I'm just saying, like, there are issues like that. So let's, you know, let's drill down. Let's look at the actual record. And, and back to your original statement as far as, you know, I guess they think that they're progressive or that that individual may think that they're progressive. And if you have a bunch of people in the room that they're all saying they're progressive. So how do we prove otherwise or how do we, you know, what's, where's the discernment factor? Where's the, the rubric, if you will? And we look at the record. Let's drill down. Let's look at what you've actually said you would do or you have not done and versus what the people have asked for or where the people actually align. And I'd love to hear you respond specifically to this idea that, that Beth, Beth Murphy raised, that it's easier to march than govern. I think this is what you'll hear some older people in the city say when they look at, at this new progressive coalition that's been forming. Do you think that's a, a fair critique that you guys don't know about the compromises that have to go into governing? I do not think that's a fair critique. And I'd also say it's easier to be an alderman and, and sit there and make decisions. And it's harder to actually knock on doors and get to know the people who live on your in your ward, which is what I've been doing. Beth Murphy has not knocked on a single door this entire campaign. I have heard people tell me time and time again that she's not representing their interests. And that's why I won the primary with, you know, 68% of the vote. Um, so I think... I always look to what the people think. This is not Beth's seat. This is the people of the 13th Ward seat. And they get to choose who they want representing them, what votes they want them to make, what they think is a fair compromise. Um, and I don't, I don't disagree that there are times where you compromise, that you make hard decisions, that you work uh, across different coalition lines, if you will. And I am fully capable of, of, of doing that, but I think it all comes back to really knowing who you're representing and listening and being there for them before anything else. We asked our listeners on both Facebook and Twitter what their thoughts were about this campaign to flip the board. Um, Sarah wrote on Facebook, I do support the effort. We need a majority of the board committed to moving away from the ineffective arrest and incarcerate model of public safety. Um, Jacqueline tweets, progressives have done nothing for our city but ruin it and try to sue it. Rachel, do you think for a certain sort of, of person who's maybe living in, say, the southwest corner of the city, um, that these progressives may find people voting against them, specifically? specifically because they're they're going to say, hey, I, I don't like what this brand stands for, and I'm already worried because we're likely getting a progressive mayor here. 
I mean, I think you have voting against happening every time there's an election. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for voters there, but sometimes it's, you know, it feels like that there is just sort of a lot of voting against versus a lot of voting for. Who knows? I mean, yeah, of course, that's a possibility. We, we all know that. Um, and, you know, will it play out more, especially in the 12th Ward? That's possible. But um you know, to answer your question simply, yes, you could see people motivated to vote against a specific candidate. But I don't think that's anything different than in in previous elections what, whatsoever. Will it maybe motivate more people to vote because it's, you know, a targeted effort and an idea at getting a majority? Potentially. But I don't know that that is different than the whole voting against idea is different than in any other previous election. I have one last question I was hoping to talk to Ann and Shedrick about today. And I'm going to direct this one to you. It's been somewhat disheartening to see just how toxic the sniping over the mayor's race has gotten online in the last few days. And a lot of times it's progressive against progressive. Do you think progressives are ready to solidify and, and, and create a stable working coalition that actually hangs together and, and can keep the votes to serve as a check to the other side? I think it's really important to keep pushing each other to look at where our ideas come from and why we think the way we do. So I try to take not, I try not to take any of that kind of stuff personally. And, you know, I don't really participate in it uh, myself um, because I really want to stay focused on the issues. But I'm always learning from what people are saying, even if it comes off as sniping or snarky. Uh, and I think if we just think about the issues, try not to take things personally and push forward, keep it people focused, then we you know, we're going to move forward. And I think that's what it's all about. Well, Ann Schweitzer, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and, and wish you the best of luck in the general election. Hey, thanks, Sarah. I appreciate it. And Shedrick Kelly, the same to you. Thank you. And, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And thanks for having me. And St. Louis Public Radio reporter Rachel Lipman. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be on. Thanks, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.